It's June, Lupontic folks. Summer's approaching and it's getting hotter than my ex-girlfriend out there. So, to cool off, how about you join your favorite Cyburns and Cigarettes host, and me, for a chilly snowbound adventure, where we'll see who laughs last. Gather around the cave fire with To Be or Not to Ski, Drew. Hey. Tiger Skin Underwear, Emma. Hello. Serial Chiller, Natalie. Sup. And Laughing Best is me, the amazing Chris Godby. <laughs> uh, very nice, very nice. And welcome to Cybirds and Cigarettes, a Loop on the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all of the animated and live-action entries of the Loop on the Third franchise in mostly chronological order. And today, we are hopping back into part one, covering episode 12. But before we get into that, let's catch up with everyone. Chris, what you been up to? About 6-1. <laughs> uh, I mean, I cut out caffeine, so if I seem more spaced out than usual, that's why. I've mostly been, uh, let's see, working, writing my webcomic. Yeah. Um, playing Yoshi's Island for my Super Mario blog. Watching Tales from the Crypt. Went to go see Across the Spider-Verse the other day. Yeah. Blew my freaking mind. Uh, reading comics, playing video games, watching movies, normal stuff. Hell yeah. I never talk about my stuff as much as you guys do yours, and I always feel bad because I end up going first. <laughs> hey, no biggie at all. It's whatever you want to share. Then, uh, Natalie, how about you? What you been up to? Just working. Um, I just finished my semester, so now I'll be starting. Um, I'll be starting planning work on my thesis for my master's degree. So that's like pretty exciting, but also a lot of pressure. I just started my internship, um, being a teacher's assistant at my university. So yay! But in the meantime, um, aside from planning my itinerary for my European adventure in seven weeks. Um, and also doing a lot of research on Sherlock Holmes, because I'll be seeing the Rashenbach Falls and Puccini, since I'm going to Tuscany. I'm planning to see more musicals and actually a concert. So I got, I've been trying to call my cousin to see when we're going to go see Book of Mormon, because I'd like to see it at a time when I don't have COVID. Because the last time I saw Book of Mormon, I had the beginnings of COVID and I didn't realize it. So mm. I, I, I fell asleep a little bit half through out of just sheer exhaustion. <laughs> which uh, was not that hard actually, which uh, not in terms of like, Oh, it was terrible or anything. It's just, I just found myself succumbing. <laughs> and um, at the end of the month, I got tickets to, um, so if anybody doesn't know this about me, I'm a huge fan of, of European metal music, particularly symphonic power metal, which is part of the reason why I like opera. And I'm a huge Nightwish fan. And the first singer of Nightwish, Tarya, uh, she's been doing she's been solo since 2007 and she's finally coming back to the United States on her first U.S. tour since 2009 when I went to go see her as an itty bitty teenager. Well, I was 19, but still. So I'm really, really excited about that. And I'll be taking my best friend to her first metal concert. So Woo. that's going to be exciting. I'm going to get her in the mosh pit and everything. <laughs> I'm kidding. Hell yeah. 
I'm too old for the mosh pit. In 2020, I almost went to my first metal show and I wanted to get into the circle pit so mm-hmm. bad and I wanted to get my face punched <laughs> in. But then COVID happened. Yeah. So I didn't have that opportunity. So I'm really excited for this and I hope that you do go into the circle pit just uh, for we'll, gigs. We'll it. see. We'll see because it's, it's going to be... Um, little Bay Area history. It's going to be at the Berkeley Amphitheater by UC Berkeley that was built by um, one of the members of the Hearst family. So I've been there. I went to go see Regina Spector in concert there. So I don't think, yeah, it was a, it was, it was raining on that day though. Anyways, the long and short is I don't think there's going to be ample space for a mosh pit, but if you guys ever want to hear some fun horror stories about my times in the mosh pit, particularly the time when I went to go see Slipknot and someone burned my hair. I would love what? to tell you guys that. Yeah. I was literally in the pits. Someone was going to light up their joint. We, a group <sighs> of us bumped into them and my, the ends of my hair got singed a little bit. Well, I was like 19. A... Oh. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> it was, I'm not going to lie. It was pretty metal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's like what I would expect, really. It's in the spirit. <laughs> yeah, so. But yeah, no, that's basically um, the, the general gist of what I have to look forward to this summer. Because, again, the one big thing I'm really looking forward to is my leisure slash research trip. Personal research, not necessarily academic research. Because my academic research is going to have to take me to San Diego. And I'm not looking forward to that. But we'll see. <laughs> I guess um, before we get to Drew, Emma, what, what what's up with you, boo? Um, well, I started watching Abbott Elementary just because I needed something like light and fluffy. And I've gotten to the first season and indeed it is very light and fluffy. And if you're just looking for something like easy to watch, 30 minute episodes and it, it, it's just like really wholesome and heartfelt, I would definitely recommend it. Um, just taking a break before going into the second one. Um taking a break by watching that documentary about the Duggar family. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I was like, you know what? I'm done with like the wholesome stuff. Let's get into the trauma. (laughs) It's time to decompress. Yeah. yeah. I have a question. Is that the one that's on Netflix right now? uh, Prime. Okay. Yeah. Because I saw that there's also one on Netflix. So I guess if you're done with that one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know (laughs) Before Netflix kicks me off, inevitably. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good one. Um, I, I know I talked about it last time. I just celebrated one year of sobriety, and I had yeah. a sobriety party for that. Um, ooh, ooh. Dressed like a dad theme. Uh, my friend Zach killed it. He had the socks all the way pulled up, jean shorts and shirt. <laughs> um, came up to the party with a cooler and said, working hard or hardly working. And I was like, okay, he wins. <laughs> he understood the assignment. Yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. Uh, the only ones that were drinking were, uh, ironically, my siblings, which I was like, hmm. <laughs> well, why do you do this? <laughs> I, make I, you go, like, hmm. I was like, hey, anyone is allowed to drink. I'm just not supplying it. And my brothers were the only ones that did. <laughs> yeah, things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> uh, I just attended Colossal Con at the Kalahari Resort for one day. Uh, saw everybody that I wanted to see. Saw one person that I didn't want to see. 
and that was kind of awkward, but like, it was fine. Nothing happened. No hands were thrown yet. Um, <laughs> but I dressed as a uh, Maytel, the swim version, and immediately just started sweating as soon as I put on that. <laughs> but I, like, I had false lashes, and they lasted the entire fucking day. It was great. Hell yeah. Got the Mojiverse lashes. Sweating like crazy. Like, oh, God. I, like, had the fan going, and I was like, you ever just blow up a planet sometime? Because, <laughs> 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 you know, my girl does that sometimes uh, when she feels like it. You know, and- uh, you know, on the note of your false eyelashes, Hello, everybody. This this episode of Cyburns and Cigarettes is brought to you by Duo Eyelash Adhesive. <laughs> I did the magnetic eyeliner. It was great. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Still counting down. I like. I didn't think about it for a while, but I thought about it today. That I'm still meeting Tom Ellis in August. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, I haven't thought about that in a few days. So yeah, that's still happening. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I started reading The Iron Widow. If you like Mecca and like Chinese history or both, or I would highly recommend. I just started it and not like within like the first hour, half hour and a half, like already like a hundred pages in. It was very engrossing, so definitely, definitely recommend that. And that's oh, all yeah. I got. What about you, Drew? Well, I've also been working, but never mind that shit. I've been watching cool stuff. <laughs> I have finally caught up on Gundam Witch from Mercury, or G-Witch, as we finally call it. Boy, we went from, like, oh, this is kind of, like, cool. There's, you know, there's big Gundams. There's, like, it's kind of like a Utena vibes, and now it's like, oh, no, it's gone full-on Mobile Suit Gundam. And by full-on Mobile Suit Gundam, I mean, oh, great, children experiencing the horrors of war firsthand. Yeah, boy. It's a great time, though. Uh, watch it. I've also been watching and slowly catching up on Demon Slayer and Jujutsu Kaisen. I know, basic shonen boy, but honestly, pretty good shonen. And I might be, con- I, I don't know what's controversial anymore, but I think I might like Jujutsu Kaisen more than Demon Slayer. Someone out there wants to murder me for saying that, I'm sure. But uh, I've also restarted Star Wars The Clone Wars. And watching like the official watch order that's on the Star Wars website because apparently it was produced out of order. And now the official Star Wars site's like, actually, here's how to watch it. And it's season two, episode 16, season one, episode 16, the theatrical movie, season three, episode one, season three, episode three. I'm not joking, by the way. This is the actual list. So that's the order I'm going to watch it in because the Star Wars website told me to. So it's it's nice to watch good Star Wars again. Um I unwisely bought Street Fighter 6 on my budget while still paying off my car and uh, unexpected series of events. I might be maining Cammy in Street Fighter 6. Tearful apology to Chun-Li I'm going to have to offer. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> so am I going to have to quote my best friend here? Yes. My uh, best friend, Brian, who I've mentioned a few times, while playing, uh, I want to say, Super Street Fighter 2 with me, <laughs> after defeating me as Cammy, we uh, noticed her victory stance and... My friend said, and I quote, when Cammy wins, everybody wins. Amen. Wise yeah. words. I've also been watching some movies lately. I'll do just kind of a quick speed round of those. I saw Fast 10, uh, terrible, awful, garbage, out of gas, bullshit, Vin Diesel, <laughs> you fucked it up. God damn it. You had Justin Lin on board who directed like all the best entries in the franchise. And then you made it, you, you've like forced him to leave and you got fucking Louis Leterrier fucking Ah, tell us how you really feel. 
Yeah, I was oh, just man. about to say that. I was like, let you it know, all out. Calm, <laughs> let it out, but uh, calmly. I'm trying. I'm trying. But it's so bad. And it does itself no favors by directly like tying itself to Fast Five repeatedly in it, including flashbacks. And it's like, you made, boy, you done messed up. And anyway, of course, I will be there on opening weekend for Fast 11 and Fast 12 because you don't turn your back on family even when they turn your back on you. Mm. <laughs> uh, rewatched Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 3. Cried again. Yeah, the CGI raccoon got you again. Yes, the CG- once again, James Gunn made me cry over the CGI raccoon for like the sixth <laughs> time now. I love him. Rewatched the first Mission Impossible with Emma and Chris recently uh, in preparation of the new Mission Impossible coming out this year. And it was... So good. That movie just gets better and better. It's I I again, this is hyperbole, but I argue that movie's kind of perfect. Oh, there is one issue it has. This is true. <laughs> all I'm saying is justice for Don Lowe. That's all. Just, hashtag justice for Don Lowe. And we know he's coming back in the last film and my boy is going to get revenge. If he shows up in that movie manning a station in Alaska, I'm going to be pissed. I've never been so upset on behalf of such a minor character before. <laughs> Feel you though. It's like he's completely innocent in all of this. <laughs> and he goes through so much shit just because he works there. Uh, Free him. <laughs> Free Don Lowe. Yeah, seriously, it's been like what, 27 years? Yeah. It's about time. <laughs> and then uh, I saw the theatrical screening of Shin Common Rider, which fucking ruled. <laughs> so I've heard. I went expecting a Hideakiano Common Rider, and I got. A Hideakiano common writer. Exactly. It's a lot more in vain. It's not as wild, but it's more in vain of like his cutie honey movie than Shin Godzilla. And I've not seen Shin Ultraman yet, but I'm very excited. He wrote that one, but it's good. Um, I unfortunately missed it the screening yesterday because I canceled my ticket so I could afford Street Fighter (laughs) Six. But I'll be I'll, I'll get it when it comes on Blu-ray. It's great. And then I also saw Across the Spider-Verse. And man, why do we keep doing these in live action anymore after these? Like at a certain point, we just got to be like, maybe this is the way. Maybe this is the way to go moving forward. And if they stick the landing across and beyond. I want to say it could dethrone Spider-Man 2 yet, because that's a very lofty thing to yeah. dethrone. But it could be right up there beside it, so it's great. I'm going to see it at least twice before it's gone. So, have you seen Have you seen Shin Zoo Ranger? Yes, I did. I actually saw Shin Zoo Ranger on opening weekend. Hey, me too. And I, and I wish it got a sequel. God damn it! Yeah, seriously. And the last thing I mentioned is I have been listening to podcasts, specifically one podcast, the uh, the Waffle Press podcast, which is a wonderful little like film podcast. But um, uh, they they have like different series, like they have a thing called Hangout serving up comics, but my personal favorite are their retrospectives with the hosts, Diego Crespo and Matt Garingo. Um, they're currently doing their second season of failed awards contenders, which is great. Cause like sometimes it'll be like a not great movie, but sometimes it's a good movie that like people expected to get like, you know, some consideration, but just didn't. Um, now I'm currently, I'm currently listening back to their star Wars retrospective, which got me in the mood to watch clone wars. It's great. And uh, that's pretty much it for me. So I guess we'll talk about another thing that we've all been watching. I'm going to have to like discover a different segue at some point because I've used that like three times now. But it's loop on the third part one. Episode 12. Who had the last laugh, which aired on January 9th, 
1972. It was directed by, <clears throat> once again, this is also uncredited. Um, uh, the Discotheque Blu-ray names this as a blend of Osumi and Miyazaki Takahata. And honestly, I had not seen this one in a long time. And that blend is very interesting. And we'll get into that. But uh, it was written by Kazuichi Surumi, uh, who wrote episodes of The Gutsy Frog, the second Kaibutsukun series, Hajime Ningen Gyatoru's, and uh, he also was the production manager of... Car just passed. Uh, he's the production... <laughs> I've seen that. It's pretty good. I'm going to leave that in, actually. Um, he's the production manager of Dame Oyaji and the infamous Dracula Sovereign of the Damned, which if you've not heard of that, you may have seen the screen cap of Dracula eating a hamburger. If you've seen that, that's what Dracula Sovereign of the Damned is. Damn. Um, he also did, yeah, literally in this case, um, <laughs> he also did the setting production for Muteki Kojin Daitarn 3 and Phoenix 2772 Space Firebird. This episode was also storyboarded by Tamayo Kohanawa, who we talked about last time and uh, or we mentioned last time. So you remember those. If you don't, go back and listen to it. And now we'll get into the uh, the cast of this episode. First, we've got the uh, the villain, Hagate. He was voiced by Hidekatsu Shibata. He was Toru Ban in Detective Conan, Magician of the Silver Sky. Satan in Dracula, Sovereign of the Damned. Had to mention that one again. Geese Howard in the Fatal Fury OVAs and film. Fuhrer King Bradley in Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. He was Macaron Spaghettino in Galaxy Cyclone Briger. He was also Count Mecha or Count Machine in the Galaxy Express 3-9 TV series and film. No way! Yep. He was... <laughs> In Madayo in the 1971 and 1996 Gegege no Kitaro series, as well as one film. He was Backbeard in two Kitaro films and the 2007 series. And he was also Yamato no Orochi in one episode of the 2018 Gegege no Kitaro series. God in In the Beginning, The Bible Stories, which I mentioned because it was directed by Osamu motherfucking Dezaki. Gregor von Muckenberger in Legend of the Galactic Heroes OVA and film. He was Baron Ashura's male voice in the original Messenger Z series and Mazen Kaiser. Degwin Zabi in the original Mobile Suit Gundam trilogy and Sarutobi the Third Hokage in Naruto and Naruto Shippuden. Kalgara and Dragon in One Piece. Salamander in Space Adventure Cobra. Mitsuru Kiruda in Space Pirate Captain Harlock. Mr. X in Tiger Mask and Tiger Mask W. And Daisuke Gondo in The Ultraman. Just to name a few. Oh yeah, and his roles in Lupin also include Dame Imon Nippon and Isoruku Yamamoto in Part 2 and Gordon in The Mystery of Mamo. So, Shibata's got some uh, some real notable credits there. Now, the English voice actors, except for the main gang, are not credited in this episode, but I'm going to guess people did guesswork on the Lupin fandom wiki. So I'll mention the names that are on there. Uh, Hayate's English voice actor is credited there as uh, Chris Nyosi, and, um, well, he's in things. He also had a bunch of very serious allegations levied against him, and that got him kicked off of Fire Emblem Three Houses and redubbed, so that's all you need to know. The Elder was voiced by Koji Yada, who was Muzan in the Devilman TV series. 
Dr. Jiro in Dragon Ball's Z, GT, Z Kai, and movies two and seven of Dragon Ball Z. He was General Talon in Space Battleship Yamado, Space Battleship Yamado 2, Space Battleship Yamado 3, Farewell to Space Battleship Yamado, and Final Yamado. Everything comes back to Yamato. Amen. He was uh, Sebastian von Musel in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Zef in One Piece, and numerous other roles. His uh, roles in Lupin include Boss, Sheikh Ali, Chief, Taxi Driver, and yes, the Taxi Driver from Ice Robot, Superintendent General Asano and Gauss in Part 2, along with Bruce and Jack Medusa in Part 3. The Elder's English voice actor here on the Fandom Wiki is said to be Steve Kramer. And we'll go through some of his uh, dub roles. He was Ryu in Akira, the streamlined dub. Uh, Shunsui Kyoraku in Bleach, including a number of films and the new Thousand Year Blood War series. Axel Thurston in Eureka 7, also General Talon in Farewell to Space Battleship Yamato, Dario Brando in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, The Grandfather in Lou Over the Wall, Terry Sanders in Mobile Suit Gundam, the 08th MS Team, Hansen in Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water, the streamlined dub, also Sarutobi, the third Hokage in Naruto, Wiseman in Sailor Moon R, the Viz dub, and Kane Barzard in It's the Seven Deadly Sins. He also has an insane amount of other roles in other various English dubs, but let's focus on Steve's work in Lupin. In Streamline's Tales of the Wolf, which is, of course, the dubs of Part 2 Episodes 145 and 155, he is Goemon Ishikawa, fake Goemon in the Interpol Chief. In Streamline's Castle of Cagliostro dub, he is also Goemon and uh, various small roles in that film. In Streamline's Mamo dub, he's the U.S. president, along with other smaller roles. In Genion's Part 2 dub, he played quite a few roles, including uh, Konaizo, Fantomas' butler, and Mikada Hansichi. In the Part 4 dub, he's Marco Zoff, Nino, Guido Cesario, Philip Casper, Moreno, and the principal. And in the Part 1 dub, he was previously Sandayu Momochi. Uh, Sumito and Kumaso are both voiced by Michihiro Ikemizu, who was... George Black in Gunsmith Cats, Isao Ota in pretty much every single Pat Labor entry, Gekko Kamen in Segi wo Aisuru Mono Gekko Kamen, Onsen Mark in the original Urusai Gatsura series, as well as its OVA series and movies 2 through 6, and his roles in Lupin include Chief Gaparudo, Minion, and the Mitsuboshi President in Part 2, and the France Representative in Napoleon's Dictionary. Uh, apparently, Steve, Steve Kramer is also listed here as Kumaso, but there's no credit for whoever Sumido is. So now we will read the synopsis of this episode and jump into our discussion of it. A criminal group captures the elder of a remote village to steal the small sister statues, but their escape is foiled by a fierce blizzard. When Fujiko makes off with one of the statues, she, Lupin, and Jigen must work together to collect the other. That's kind of what happened. Okay, well, let's get into that. The synopsis is this 50 animated years of Lupin the Third are sometimes questionable, to say the least. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. So, our usual round table... Uh, discussion of this episode. Emma, how did you feel about who had the last laugh? 
I like how you mentioned like the book synopsis being kind of odd when you have quoted from the Lupin wiki. Yeah. <laughs> and like we've talked about on the last website, we know that a uh, last uh, recording we that is a website for sure. That is certainly a website. It's Again, a, a me website. mentioning those English actors, take that with the. I mean, usually you can kind of tell by ear. Like when you hear Todd Habercorn, you immediately gag. So uh, same with pretty um, easy. Chris, what's his face? Uh, Steve Kramer, though, I was like, hey, I recognize that, Cause especially because I just watched that episode in part four. Hell yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I recognize that. Um, how I feel about who had the last laugh. Well, first of all, I think Fujiko wins that one. <laughs> Ultimately, yes. at the end of the, th- uh, end of the episode. There's a lot that I like in this episode. I thought it was, like there was a lot of it that was really funny to me. A lot of like almost like physical gags, mostly mm-hmm. like with Jigen especially, and I'll kind of get into that more. But a lot of these episodes seem to take place in a winter setting. <laughs> I've been like kind of like it's been a while since I've like picked up part one again, so I'm, like kind of looking into that, and I'm like a lot of these episodes are like snowy. Which, again, how it was, like, last weekend, being, like, 90, 95 degrees, and I'm sweating my skin off. Um, it's kind of, like, pretty welcomed at this point. I'm like, yeah, that looks pretty nice right now. And I know, like, everyone's probably going to kill me for saying that, uh, especially in the state of Michigan. But I'm not taking it back. <laughs> um I, I think, and I like, I bring up the winter setting and Jigen's slapstick because I wrote down Jigen's number one enemy appears to be snow. Uh, <laughs> 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 he, he, he falls down so much in this episode. And I laughed every single time because I just kept thinking, and I posted this on my Twitter, of that... <laughs> video the guy trying to shovel and he's like slipping around <laughs> the shovel and I'm like every time I see that gif I'm like this is just Jigen in the winter time and this episode confirms it for me he's not somebody that like seems very natural in this environment <laughs> and I, I, that's obviously uh, showcased a lot here I think he falls like maybe like three times Mm-hmm. And the snow, and like it's like a tumble too. It's like a hot rod tumble down a hill. <laughs> like, it goes on for a long time. Uh, <laughs> Fujiko and Lupin's interactions, um, especially in the cave, they're perfect. I love them a whole lot um, because, especially in that interaction, just like throughout the episode a lot and uh, all of part one. It really brings forth uh, the Lupin being just like a right bastard uh, aspect. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate that a whole lot. Obviously, I mentioned the last episode. I, I really like the sweet aspect of Lupin, uh, like when it comes out every now and then. But him being an absolute dickweed is just a treat. And I don't really know what that says about me um, <laughs> at the end of the day, because like he is truly... Like, all the guys in college would text me, like, W-I-D, like, what are you doing? With, like, a wink emoji at 2 a.m. That's what he reminded me in this episode. I was like, he's a total, like, fuckboy in this episode. He's just a jerk. But I married the person that did that 
to me. So <laughs> I obviously can't be trusted. I was like, watching this. I was like, hey, you know, I'm kind of into that. <laughs> yeah, Sweet Lupin, he's great. But you know what? <laughs> kind of really liking this one. Uh, he's an outright like ass to Fujiko in this episode. And uh, I know we've talked about it previously on several episodes and different tangents. I never, ever want to hear again, ever, about how Fujiko treats Lupin. Mm -mm. Uh, Especially after this episode. I'll just, like, direct them to this one. I'm like, he's 10 out of 10 just trash. And, like, he's enjoying it, too. Direct him to the end of my shoe. Yeah, she ties her up and just slaps her ass. And it's like, ooh, firm. (laughs) I would kill the person that did that. <laughs> like, if I got free, I was like, you're dead now. Fujio went easy on him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I like how he's, like, trying to come up on her throughout, like, a bunch of the times the episode. Like, hey, come warm up with me. Get, like, this fire. But I'm also going to put the fire out. So you have to. And then she beats his ass. I love that. <laughs> he's such a fucking gremlin in this one. Um, and it's so funny. And I actually like their interactions Better in the dub. I'm not sure if it's just because, like, it's just easier for me to, like, really engage with it or what. But, like, also, Tony Oliver and Michelle Ruff, like, we've talked about it several times. They're just the goats. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, hearing them go back and forth with each other like that in the cave, uh, it just felt so natural and so seamless and very Lupin and Fujiko. Like, they are just, like really going back and forth with the banter and their characters and they really understand that banter and they really understand like the attitude behind it. Sorry I didn't prepare anything fancier. I used whatever you stashed here. That's fine. You know that scary thing is an eyesore. It really dampens the mood. Hand it over. Why? Why? How can we chat with you pointing that nasty weapon at me? Lovely lady, handsome guy alone here together. Handsome guy? Where? You don't know a good thing when you see it. Like, I could listen to Michelle and Tony doing that all day mm. as uh, Fujiko and Lupin. And I like I would almost feel, like, weird about it. <laughs> like, when I was watching, I was like, this feels like I am, like, a fly on a wall in, like, a lover's quarrel that I should not, like, a weird lover's quarrel that I should not be a part of. So, obviously, like, those two characters, like, really shine for me. Um, Jigen being next, like, again, number one enemy is Snow. Uh, and I like how he's just kind of there. Like, I don't know really, like, Goemon is the one that's there, but, like, he's definitely, like, third wheel in here. But also, like, not. Because he has a moment where he's walking with Lupa, and they're like, wow, that was a waste of time. Which I, I had a good chuckle over. Uh, like, their interactions, too. And, like, Jigen having a really good understanding of Lupin when Lupin's acting like he is, I think, asleep in the cave. And uh, Jigen's mm-hmm. trying to wake him up and slapping him and stuff. But they have, like, that uh, uh, body language communication that I thought was really nice. And, like, this, like I said, this funniest episode is just funny. At the end... Like, the end gag with Lupin and Gian being dragged by the snowmobile just had me just rolling. Especially in the dub, because I just kept hearing, like, Richard F. Carr. It's just, I just want the dough! 
<laughs> and then uh, we're gonna die. <laughs> uh, don't let go. I'm not, I can't take it. I want to free your neck. I just want the dough. I wonder how long you'll be able to hold on. Let's find out. We're gonna die. No, 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 slow down, slow down. The three of them are just delightful. Obviously, I liked um, Steve Kramer in this. This episode is really funny, and then like when, especially when you remove Hayate, I like which makes me sad that I wrote that because I didn't know like the Japanese voice actors, like long lists of stuff. Especially like when you said Count Mecca, mm-hmm. I was like, God, man, do I want to blow up that machine? <laughs> like the worst. <laughs> um, so like obviously, it's a very well respected voice actor. It's just unfortunate it's on that character because I just think he's boring as fuck. As like a villain, I um, mean, you have all these like bombastic villains at Lupin, and he's just kind of like there. It's kind of like villain of the week, uh, and his performance dubbed is weak sauce. I mean, take out like uh, who it is uh, out of the equation, just in comparison to all the rest of the roles and how like dynamite those are. It's just like very flat. It's the same thing we talked about with episode zero with Todd Habercorn. He sounds like a half price Steve Bloom. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, you got! I was like, why does he sound so familiar, but like not at the same? You nailed it. I mean, I mean of course, Steve Bloom would have been infinitely better. But Absolutely, yeah. because he that's Steve Bloom anyway. But yeah, that, that's that's what it reminded me of. It's like a, it's like this sounds like Steve Bloom, but so yes. much worse. Yeah, because uh, mentioning that, I watched this dubbed first and then subbed the next day. And dubbed, I was like, oh, I'm not like I, I'm not a fan of this character, not a fan of this performance. Just going to the uh, What's his name? Shibata, I believe. It's a it's a pretty much a nothing character, but just his like presence at least made it something more. I'm like, okay, at least he's like interesting to listen to in Japanese. Right. He's still yeah. boring, but like this is going to be a very mean thing to say. But it is just kind of like karmically funny that the creeps turned in like the weakest performances so far. It's yeah, nice. It's like they kind of like like yeah, it's like a karma thing, and it's like of course like, you're gonna be like weak next to like these like great great voice actors that definitely understand their characters so well Mm -hmm. and like it's funny you mentioned drew that like the japanese like in japanese like he's great but like then i said like again like i prefer like tony and or lupon and fujiko in the dub Mm -hmm. so i'm like can we just match the two can we just get all of it like (laughs) together no yeah like you can't you can't always get what you want um and don't finish that. <laughs> don't finish that <laughs> sentence. I said that earlier, like in the week. I was like, you can't always get what you want. And one of my friends finished it for me. And I was like, now nah, that I'm just angry. Uh, that's really all I got with that. Again, Lupin calling Fujiko sweetie. That's nice. I like that. Yeah. Especially in contrast with how much of a fucking gremlin he's in this episode. <laughs> like, don't try being nice. I know this game. I've played this game. <laughs> like, I'm well aware of it, but I love it too. I, I could watch Lupin being a dick all day, every day, and without a pass. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, Chris, who had the last laugh? Well, in a way, I believe we all did. Because mm. the episode ends on a pretty funny note. <laughs> so, I feel like I need to start off by saying. This episode is somewhat loosely based on chapter 23 of the original manga series, which was titled White Chase in Japanese. 
when it was collected into trade paperback in the late 80s, it was made into the 15th chapter instead, and the English version is titled Snowfall and the Sisters. The manga story is about Lupin in the cave, taking in two twin women who are escaping from prison on his way to a village to talk to the elder. The elder has half of a valuable statue that Lupin pays him to receive. The sisters stole the other half of the statue, which is why Lupin engineered, engineered their escape. The elder and his son are reluctant to give up the statue, so they kidnap the girls, but Lupin outsmarts them and steals both statues, but the ladies get away from him. The story ends with Lupin meeting up with the twins in the same cave the story began in, but with a twist. They were leading inspectors and Agata to the location, and the story ends with Lupin fleeing. Now, as for the episode itself, I'm no fashion expert, but Fujiko's outfit in this episode might just be the cutest thing she's ever worn. Mm. It's really cute, but it's very impractical. Well, see, at, very. First, at first I thought that her legs were bare, but that shot of her after falling off the snowmobile indicates that she's wearing, you know, tight pants. So, it's it's a killer outfit, I think. But the evil organization this episode isn't named, but I think it'd be kind of cool if they were the Rat Clan, who were uh, mm. Lupin's arch enemies in the manga, or maybe even uh, Killer and Killers. That would have been a neat throwback to a uh, episode that none of us liked. <laughs> but it would have been a neat, uh, you know, connection. I like how uh, squeaky the snow is. It, it always stuck out to me yeah. like a really, an oddly realistic touch. Whoops. <laughs> Wait, did you say squeaky? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how else would you say it? Crunchy? Yeah. I don't know. I always thought it was crunchy. I don't, <laughs> I don't always hear it's more of a squeak. <laughs> I, I prefer squeaky. I'm going to say that from now on. Hell yeah. Canon now. <laughs> Fujiko pointing a gun at Lupin in the cave is a almost perfect replication of the manga panel. I like that Lupin's listening to the third OP of this series on the radio. <laughs> Fujiko throwing the fish bones in the bottle back at Lupin's head is also straight from the manga. And for some reason, the evil organization in this episode reminds me of Cobra from G.I. Joe. I don't know why, but they just kind of have that vibe to them. <laughs> like Emma said, uh, Jigen crashing on the skis is a lovely moment. As him slipping on the snow as he runs Lupin, which I find very relatable. Because in the last two months, I've tripped and fell on my way to work twice. And it wasn't snowing. The little slap fight, as I already mentioned, I really like that. And I don't know if I mentioned this before, but this dub kind of feels like Speed Racer a little bit to me. Mm. Which is certainly fine by me. I, I've got no complaint there. I love Speed Racer. Um, after Lupin gives his clothes to the Elder, we see him wearing what appears to be like a burlap sack. <laughs> this is a reference to the manga where Lupin gives up all of his clothes to the other, including his tiger-skin boxers, which is why he's wearing the sack for a few pages. And later on, when Lupin asks for his clothes back, he also asks for his underwear, and the old man, who is now wearing them, stands up and says, Help yourself! <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty funny running gag. I liked it. In the manga, after Lupin rides off on the snowmobile, one of the sisters expresses concern that he'll catch up to them, and we see a panel of Lupin driving up a hill... Judging by Drew's reaction, he knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> the other sister says they have nothing to worry about since she emptied the gas tank. And the next panel shows snowmobile track going halfway up the hill and then straight back down. <laughs> that detail is so perfect. Like, just the detail and you see where it went up sideways and then straight back down the snowmobile like upside down and then his feet just sticking out of the snow. It's this beautiful like wide frame too. It it's like... 
I think Monkey Punch was that was one of the things he's always best at. I think are gags like that where he shows us the before and after, not the actual moment of. And I think that <laughs> I think leaving that part out makes it so much funnier. <laughs> um, watching this as a teenager for the first time, I was not expecting the climax of the episode to involve an entire village being blown up, but I kind of love it. Yeah, and also I couldn't help but think as the organization is running away, I, I couldn't help but think, Cobra, retreat! <laughs> um, and Jigen's casual conversation as they blow up and kill dozens of people was wonderful. <laughs> you know, going back to what Emma's saying about Lupin being a total dick in this episode, it's, it's great. I love it. Uh, the snowmobile gag at the end is cute. Uh, the Elder making off with all the loot is a pretty fitting episode, or pretty fitting ending, to an episode with no heroes or everyone being an asshole to each other. Yeah, great way to end it. But yes, yeah, it's, it's not one of my favorite part one episodes, but I think it's a damn good one. It's like there's gratuitous explosions, everyone's playing against each other, a super cute Fujiko outfit, and some genuinely funny slapstick. I really like it. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the explosions because it did remind me of something I thought of. Because I was like, are do most part one episodes just like have explosions in them for some reason. Yeah. It feels like a Mythbusters episode. <laughs> and the Mythbusters were just like, we're just going to blow this up. It yeah. feels like that. That's mm-hmm. all like this episode. I was like, huh. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up. I was thinking of like Michael Bay's uh, fantasies, but I like your explanation better. <laughs> <laughs> As a teenager, when I watched part one and all the explosions were happening, um, I was really in like a really strong Mike um, Mike Judge face. I was like, "What the fuck did Cornholio like ghost right half of these episodes or something?" <laughs> it was like fire, fire, yeah, beautiful. So, Natalie, how'd you feel about who had the last laugh? Uh, Fujiko had the last laugh. Let's be fucking real about that. Let's just again. Everybody knows like my feelings towards part one. Um, I will say as a teenager, um, when I first watched this episode, I, I think around the time I watched that episode, I had, I had rewatched for up till now. It's been the millionth time. Uh, Disney's beauty and the beast, which is one of my favorite Disney films. And you know, that scene in the snow when Belle runs away and the wolves start attacking her. I don't know what, but as a teenager, when I first watched this episode and Fujiko was just walking in the snow after, you know, evading the gang, I was like, are the wolves going to come after her or something? And then we're going to get like a Beauty and the Beast-esque moment between Lupin and Fujiko. Well, wolves didn't attack her. We did have some adorable moments that were kind of Beauty and the Beast-esque. No, they were not <laughs> between Lupin and Fujiko. And I love how the dub takes care of that. Like, come on, you're within handsome company. Whom? Mm. <laughs> so you mentioned that Fujiko isn't attacked by wolves, but seeing how the word Lupin can translate the wolf. Hey. Fitting, I don't fitting. think you were wrong. No, she like came for his entire life with that. Who? <laughs> it, yeah, like literally she was like, ew. And I'm like, girl. <laughs> I agree with Chris in terms of the slapstick humor. I mean, rewatching this episode for the first time in many years, Fujiko used purse. It was effective when she was beating up one of the <laughs> one of the gang members. I love that because it's like I, I I've had some encounters where I had to hit people with my, my with my purse. So it's like yeah, it was effective. Um, everyone's laughing. 
Fuji, her her murder laugh is amazing. Her just her, just her little her little giggle of like. <laughs> Let's see. Um, Fujiko was wearing a. I liked what she was wearing, but it's like I agree with Emma. It's not practical. She's like, it's freezing out here, and my dumb ass just yelled at the television. Should have thought of that before you walked. <laughs> you, you you walked out of the house looking like that. Very much like how my mom would like chide me when I was growing up, and I'd be like. I should have brought a jacket. My mom would be like, yeah, you should have thought of that. <laughs> the laughing grandpa. Um, also the whole plot about how like they're after a treasure um, and the comment of killing each other over these figurines. Um, the comment I made was like, what a very weeaboo, <laughs> just, just a very anime nerd mentality right there. Like let's kill each other over these rare figurines. I also Again, back to the antics in the cave. Um, I love these cute, adorable moments with Lupin and Fuchiko. So much so that, like, I also have to agree with Emma over, like, um, fuckboy Lupin. I love fuckboy. I love all kinds of Lupin. I'm very much a Lupin for all seasons gal. So part one, I, you know, if we're going to go off this thing of, like, part one was definitely, like, the gang when they were younger, when they were just kind of starting out, excluding Lupin Zero, you know, Lupin acting just so immature and being a fuckboy and yeah, picking up Fujiko and then slapping her ass, which if it were me, you, you know, immediately just starts like fucking gagging her, throwing her over the shoulder, smacking her ass. If that were me and it wasn't consensual, I would have kicked him in the face. Don't give a fuck. But no, um, he, he does that. She's just like mm, sitting there taking it. I don't know. You know, younger me felt uncomfortable. Older me was just like knowing the dynamics of their relationship was just like, do I still call that a typical Tuesday for them? I guess I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the slapstick of Jigen falling in the snow. Clearly that man did not grow up in an area where it snowed because he's just having these moments where he's like trying to be stealthy and trying to fight <laughs> against the gang. And then suddenly, <laughs> you know, speaking as someone who grew up in the Bay area where it doesn't snow. And the first time I ever really experienced snow was in Switzerland and I'm walking by Guillaume and my best friend who grew up in Pennsylvania. So obviously she grew up, grew up around snow and I'm walking. And then suddenly I'm almost, I, I slipped to the point where I almost fall down and they both have to pick me up i was like yeah you can obviously tell i didn't grow up in the snow so that's my mentality with jegan i don't know maybe he's a bay area boy kind of doubt it <laughs> this whole thing of jegan just feeling like a third wheel it's giving me straight up polycule if not thruple vibes in this episode between them that's very much like it's there's a lot of it centered I can, between I can, I can agree with that yeah yeah thruple a... it's back well, it's funny because I've been reading this really awesome webcomic called um, Love Me to Death, which is very much a thruple story. Like you didn't think it was going to end up in, being a thruple until you see the subtle signs. And now it's firmly established as a thruple. And this is after I learned what thruple meant. <laughs> thanks to you guys in that one episode we did. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, apologies. Um, roommate left his laundry going. Anyways, the long, the long and short... It's very, you know, we don't really see, we don't see Goemon, we don't see Zenigata, but we see, we're focused on the trio, the two loves of Lupin's life, if you exclude Goemon and <laughs> Zenigata, you know, his his boyfriend and his girlfriend, just, you know, right there, thruple. Also, yeah, so many explosions and the village blowing up at the end. 
Also, can I also add, I'm, I'm talking a lot about the slapstick because again, I, I mentioned, I love the slapstick in part one. I may not be a big part one fan, but I, I will give credit where credit's due when it comes to the slapstick. But I love how like they see the grenade and they're like, run! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's just, overall, aside from my ranting in terms of the episode, it's a really fun Lupin episode for part one. Very much has the slapstick. It could honestly somewhat be a part two episode. My thing is, um, you guys know my gripes over like the Fujiko versus Lupin and the misogyny over Fujiko and everything. It's like, if y'all are going to continue having this thing of like, Fujiko is terrible and Lupin, watch this fucking episode and see how he treats her in here. But again, they're into that. I'm assuming, and it very much is consensual between them. So yeah, let them enjoy their weird relationship. Okay. Because in this era where everyone is alone, you need somebody to just do those antics with. That's my soapbox. I will die on this hill. I'm done with my whinging. <laughs> I, love, I love that word, whinging. Thank you. Game of, thank you, Game of Thrones. Your lips are moving. <laughs> Your lips are moving, but you continue to, com- to whine about something. That's whinging. <laughs> nice. The end. So, Drew, what are your feelings? All right. So, well, this one, I had not watched this episode in quite a long time. And... Boy, this episode sure starts off on the right foot where you've got like, you know, this villain, the old man tied up. And as he's like monologuing to him, you just see like a little hole being cut where these two statues are with a little like handsaw, like a hand reaching in, getting it. And it's Fujiko and there's this really cool chase. And you think she's down for the count. And the moment someone steps close to her, she like has the uh, the sack with the statue in and just wallops two guys with it and proceeds to murder everyone around her. And then I wrote here in my note, does a cute murder giggle straight into the titles. And I was like, Oh, Oh, we're in for a good one. And also I'm like, Oh, we're in for one where I, this has a lot more, at least I would assume again, it's, it's all just guessing game stuff, but this has a lot of Osumi in it. I think it has some amounts of Miyazaki and Takahata kind of like sanitizing a few things and lightening some things up, which I'll get into. But that opener, I was like, oh, we got like, it's kind of like a little last gasp of Osumi kind of coming through here. Uh, I love this episode introducing what will be the third opening theme, which is one of my favorite pieces of Lupin music. It's just so jaunty and happy. And it's kind of indicating, again, the tone we're like very much like quickly heading towards now. And I specifically love it. It's first appearance when Fujiko is like approaching the cave. It's almost like diegetic music. It's like you can hear Lupin's mischievousness like emanating through like the mouth of the cave. <laughs> and she's like, oh no. <laughs> she like knows he's in there. So that was like a great little bit. Um, I love the banter between Lupin and Fujiko. It's hard for me to pick which one I like more because I did absolutely love them in the dub because once again, they are the goat. But uh Yukiko Nikaido and Yasuo Yamada also have a really cute thing where they keep doing this like playful tone back and forth that keeps like getting more cutesy as it goes on as it progressively gets more threatening and like just kind of snide. <laughs> せっかくビナンとビジョンが一緒にいるのにさ。ビナンシ、どこにいるの?あら、フジコも男を見る目がないのね。
And I love in both the sub and the dub have that joke where she's like, handsome man, where? <laughs> He's just like, mm. <laughs> so that's a great little bit. And she burns him in the face with a torch when he becomes a horny gremlin, which is also a great little bit. It's such like a quick cutaway to his face, too. And then I love when Jigen arrives at the cave. Lupin's just already got another knot on his head. And Fujiko's like, he knocked himself out this time, I promise. He is like Emma said, he is a little gremlin in this episode and he cannot be contained. He's just a little he's a wee little cunt in this episode. And it's great to see. (laughs) My notes are all over the place. So my next one here is this episode has extremely pretty backgrounds. I noticed just a lot like that scene where where Fujiko is walking towards the cave. It's not like it's not like the backgrounds in this have been lackluster at all, but they just were like the trees and the snow on them were so painterly. And like gorgeous. And that was throughout the entire episode. This episode just looked really good. And you had like the uh, that one cell it's, it's like that looping animation of the snow falling. But it was like it's there's a lot of detail to it. There's like the big swipes of snow and like the little specks here and there. It just made it all the more like kind of immersive. Like I've talked about before with part one, you get that kind of sense of place and atmosphere like this episode feels cold. It's cool. The show's fucking good. Uh Definitely feel a lot of the Osumi tone left over in this one, more so than some other ones we've covered, because uh, there's lots of unexpected violence. Uh, but this time I felt like it kind of got like cushioned, specifically the bit where Hayate throws the uh, the axe at Sumito and slices his throat, which I assume if Osumi had, like, had not been <laughs> unceremoniously booted, that would have been just like when, uh, or at least similar to when Goemon bisects that dude and one, and one wolf calls another. Because I was like, oh, did he die? That's the only bit where I'm kind of like, hey, that's going to sound really terrible. But like, I got I, I to gotta know what happened. No, are, are, I mean, you talking, are you talking about the dude that gets his sling cut off? Yeah, he gets a submit. Is it presumed? Like, because he like falls flat after that happens. Yeah. And, and he's they, dead. And then everybody acts like he's dead. So I, yeah, that, that, that part always kind of confused me too. Yeah, because like you need you need you need just a little tasteful dash of the blood there to know like you know hey this dude's dead as hell. It gives straight up um, Avatar: The Last Airbender when Jet dies, and it's mm. never really confirmed until they they do the um, the Ember Island players and Zuko's like, so did did Jet just die? And <laughs> responds, actually, we don't know. <laughs> That's such a great little bit. I love that part. And it. Uh, it also comes back with a fury at the end with Lupin and Jigen bombing the village, bombing the village, presumably. And like you see, murdering pretty much every single goon that's like housed there. Like there's that one shot where it's panning and you like just see just what appears to be like the stragglers and corpses just laying around. All while the really jaunty Lupin, Lupin, Lupin. music is playing, which is I love it. I love that dichotomy. It's again, this is why this is like my this. This is kind of my favorite stretch of episodes from memory anyway, where it's that kind of tug of war between not even tug of war, but it's just that weird mix of Miyazaki, Takahata and Osumi's very different tastes, making something really unique. And I love it. And also at the end, uh, Lupin and Jigen being dragged around on the snow by Fujiko. That feels like an A production Miyazaki Takahata animated bit there. Is that the animation kind of resembles like some of the bits that are presumed to be theirs from what I understand. It just kind of has that look to it. Some gags I thought, cause I read the manga chapter earlier today. 
Some gags I thought were funnier in the anime, like the like the ending with them being dragged around by Fujiko and screaming at her. What was it the, the elder screwing everyone over in the end, which is not in the manga, which was lovely here. Like he was already two steps ahead of everyone from the get go. <laughs> he had the two map pieces like already. <laughs> My man was playing the long con. Some gags, I think, are much funnier in the manga, specifically Lupin getting repeatedly walloped by both the sisters relentlessly and just having knots on his head like in almost every page. And it was funny in the anime, the bit with Lupin like tossing the fish to be like, hey, eat. And I specifically love in the, in the, the subtitle version when Fujiko throws the fish back, Yasu Imada yells, bones? As it, like, as it goes into his mouth. <laughs> But I thought like just the structure of it was so much funnier in the uh, the manga or at least the Tokyo Pop translation where it's just this repeated set of frames where Lupin's like off to the side and goes, eat. Next panel, he gets hit by the fish. Drink. Next panel, he's immediately just hit by the fish. It's like, eat, dunk, drink, dunk. It's this is the structure that killed me. The uh, the the tiger undies got me so good. It's like, ooh, tiger skin boxers. How couture. <laughs> which was a lovely little bit <laughs> also and as chris already mentioned the snowmobile running out of gas i was dying laughing like i had to i had to pause on that page for a while that is like one thing i wish they could have gotten this episode just a little bit yasuo yamada's performance when he's doing when he keeps upping the offer to the elder is one of my favorite things in this episode because he starts very quiet he mumbles like jerk he mumbles like here's some more. And then he just escalates to screaming when he throws the money, like like full on, like peeking in the microphone. It's so good. Lupin putting out the water and Fujiko knocking him out might as far as the episode, like I keep saying, this is my favorite gag in the episode. This is probably my absolute favorite in the anime specifically because a version of that's in the manga. And it's very funny because like he pours he pours out the water. There's these shots with the shots. There's these panels of like the feet in the bed getting entangled. And you realize it like you come back to reveal that they both just wallop Lupin in the head and like his legs tore through the blanket. And he's just like out cold with the big piano teeth grin. But in the anime, the lighting goes out with the fire when he pours the water. The screen's black. The sun peeks through the mountainside. It illuminates the entire mountainside. It illuminates the village. It pans down. There's a beautiful shot. We see the sun beaming through a window. An immediate cut to Lupin out cold on the floor with a knot on his head and a log broken in half beside him. And it's even funnier because when it fades into the sunlight, you hear like a bird like peacefully chirping. And when you see Lupin, you still hear it. And like the only visual missing are the little Tweety birds going around his head. It's a wonderfully constructed gag. I'll run through these here. Yeah, I wrote Hayate. He's dedicated to his organization to the point of running into an exploding tank. And that's all about he's got going on. Bit of a two by four. Once again, um, uh, I, I was going to say, were you going to call him a two by four? Well, you better believe it. But now this episode does have that lovely balance of y'all, as y'all mentioned, of like really silly and just outright dangerous Lupine and also just gremlin Lupine. You got you, you go from him being like a little guy frowning because an old man's bargaining the shirt like off his back 
to uh, at the end sending a hail of mortar into a village of goons and leading them into a patch of landmines with a big smile on his face as like the third openings playing over it. Everyone's always like, oh, Lupin doesn't like like kill people. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, He's really? Here. Like, <laughs> he does it if he has a very good reason or at least yes. a decent reason. Or he just wants it to an episode of Mythbusters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, these people are criminals. And Lupin, I mean, it's established in Lupin Zero that Jigen had been killing since he was a kid, which, like, mm. damn, hardcore. Hardcore yeah. as fuck. But, like, these people have killed people. And, like, even Zenigata, even Zenigata has killed people. So it's like, y'all need to calm the fuck down. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love how in this episode, Fujiko gets tied up repeatedly. And normally that would kind of bug me. But it's the fact that every time she gets tied up, she like effortlessly gets out like it was nothing in the first place. It's such a nice little detail that I wish was in. I, I, it's in a lot more, but it's I don't know. It's just great. The fact that like she's repeatedly tied up and she's like, OK, just every time it, it, it's that's my Fujiko right there. She's great in this episode. Yeah. Don't wash the mouth. Wash the hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean, this is why, like, I understand with her being the token woman that there's going to be moments, especially in the early 70s and um, early, late 70s and even in the 80s of some episodes of Fujiko being a damsel in distress. And I felt like that was such a common trope up until um, my one of my favorite specials, like the Columbus Files or Fujiko's Unlucky Days, because like Fujiko is not a damsel in distress. You can mm. she can have her moments where she's like held captive, but she can get her she can get herself out of sticky situations. So it's like, no, I like it. That's one of the main reasons. That's one of the main issues I have with the very first episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. That Fujiko agreed. was a damsel in distress for pretty much eighty percent of the episode. Not yeah. only that, it was just um, it was gratuitous um, to say yeah. the least. I mean. Um, I'm just so tempted to show the first episode to one of my good friends who is a, who's in the King community, but also was a performer. Um, so it's like, I kind of want to show him this and be like, what's your take on this? My good sir. <laughs> from at least from a King, <laughs> at least from a King perspective, you know, show the 50th anniversary special instead. Uh, oh, you mean the um, um, Lupin's multiverse of madness? <laughs> yeah. The one where Fujiko gets attacked by the Rolling Stones logo. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. So this one I mentioned earlier, it feels like it's the last gasps of Osumi's work, and it made me kind of sad in a way because like there's only I think like two left with uh, what little of his influence. I think this maybe has like the most out of what's left to come. Um, because I also wrote in my notes here, all caps, a welcome return of that part one arson at the end. End of this very much kind of reminded me of uh the first episode where they're just blowing up that entire scorpion stadium. And once again, for like we're, we're, we're kind of like not fully bookending his term, like, like Osumi stuff, but it feels like, I, it feels like it's we're towards the end of his tenure. And once again, it's ending with Lupin just happily murdering hundreds of people with fun music playing over it. But I do, I do think a notable difference here when Hayate blows himself up by running into the, like the exploding tanker, which is a very like weirdly dark kind of Osumi touch. Instead of having like a silence in one of those melancholic Takeo Yamashita tracks come in, it just kind of quickly fades away to like a, like the instrumental version of the third opening and Lupin Jigen like walking away slumped over. It's like, Oh yeah, so that happened anyway. This is a fucking bummer. We didn't get anything. 
you got a bunch of rotten criminals clawing at each other to get to the treasure first. Again, it's it, it's what I love about early part one, where it's just little shit heels in the criminal underworld fucking each other over at all times. I mean, it's literally, it's oh, these statues are very valuable to you and your village. Well, that's nice. Now, excuse me, excuse me, while I bomb the shit out of your town to get my to get rid of my competition. It's a good time. And the final bit with them getting dragged around is hilarious. The old man like getting actually getting the last laugh and Fujiko getting a good laugh out of it too by dragging Lupin Jigen around. And since Emma already mentioned the dub lines, I also love it in the Japanese <laughs> in the Japanese dub because it's just them like shouting, "Stop, please, stop!" And then at one point, like Lupin just goes, "Fujiko, John!" In the shot where they are drug over like the hump and it freeze frames. You get both Yasuo Yamada and Kyoshi Kobayashi going like Ari, but the difference is Yamada is going Ari, and then Kobayashi like is doing like, his usual kind of deep thing, but he he goes Ara. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, was that Jigen? <laughs> it's it's. I love whenever Kobayashi does like the high pitched Jigen voice. Sorry, that just reminds me of the aloofness of the fog. Like when like in the sub when they like 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 they pick up their voices. Well, of course it was only the sub. But like I think like Makio Anue like like comes in like really high pitched. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. Like, I need to listen to that specific part again to really uh, focus on it. It reminds me of like all the times he he does that in part three frequently. Like, he really embraced the comedic Jigen, like immediate, like unexpected high pitch jump. It's it was great. So yeah. This also isn't one of my favorites, but it is still a really good one. And it's like, I put it like, so far, it's probably like in the middle so far, like high, upper middle of the ones we've watched. So no, I I enjoyed this one a lot. Part one is once again, just, I have not revisited in so long and coming back to it is like a breath of fresh air. It's so much fun. So yeah, this is a good time. Can I just like bring up the fact that I love that you use the word diegetics? Well, diegesis, because um, obviously diegesis, um, if you don't know the meaning of the word, <laughs> this is very much like, um, I guess the only way I can explain it is like, if you're watching a musical and you're, and you're looking at the setting of the musical and thinking the people singing, are the people actually singing or is it just, you know, like, are the people actually si- singing in their setting or is it just, you know, only the audience can see it. And we have these many moments in Lupin where Lupin is very meta and uh, sure loves to sing or whistle his own theme song, which you can make all these jokes like, Kron- like you know, Kronk and um, Emperor's New Groove where, um, you know, Cusco's in the bag and Cusco's like, is he humming his own theme song? <laughs> well, to be fair, it's not just Lupin either. I remember at least once in part two where Fujiko's humming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the OP. Yeah, in the OP, mm-hmm. yes. But um, no, I, I love those moments where Lupin's just very meta and yes, diegetic about um, about his theme song, like the like the times where he just whistles it, or the time, or like in um, what was it um, oh, from Russia with Love, um, where I think he was only just thinking it for a bit, 
God, I need to re. Oh, it's not my favorite, but I need to rewatch that special. I think he whistles it in uh, Tokyo Crisis as well. He does mm-hmm. whistle it in Tokyo Crisis, yes. And uh, Fujiko hums it in Legend of the Gold of Babylon, also. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love it when when they acknowledge that they're just these cartoons and this cartooniness, and they whistle their own theme song. You know, uh, I want to backtrack for a moment here and say that while the manga chapter is great, like I think it's really funny, it's a lot of fun. I think I do like the anime episode a little bit better. I mean, uh, I, I agree. I mean, like neither is my favorite in their respective series, but I think they're both solid. But I think the anime is a little bit better. All right. So on that note, if we don't have anything else to mention, I reckon we all thought this was pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good loop on time. Should should we end? Should we end this um, episode the same way the episode ended by blowing up a village? Hey, why not? I think so. I think that's a good idea. Who's done, who's down with me for blowing up Silicon Valley? Let's do this shit, guys. Hey, well, as of last night, uh, apparently the vote was passed in Atlanta to build Cop City, so I know a good place to to try out. Let, let's do this. FBI, please don't show up at my door. In <laughs> Minecraft. In Minecraft. In Minecraft. We're going to blow up Cop City in Minecraft. FBI, open up. Let me go put on my uh, Cobra Command shirt real quick. <laughs> I, I say we paint ourselves with tiger stripes and... And free all the animals in the zoo. Ooh, tiger stripes. How cool to <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, I was quoting Curly and fucking Hey Arnold. I forgot about the fucking <laughs> tiger. The elder in his undies. Loop on his undies. Well, I called it the Zoolander underwear, but that's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, Emma. Where can we find you on the social medias? You can find me on the social medias on Twitter at E-M-M-A-W-O-L-F-E-227. Just follow me for a stream of my consciousness if you really want to. You can follow me on Instagram at E-M-Wolf-W-O-L-F-E-227. Post a lot of my cosplay and my animals. It's a good time. Great time to be had by all. Natalie, where can we find you? You can currently find me on twitter even though i haven't really been on because i was just stressed with school stuff at cap c-a-p-l-i-h-e-l-l-s-i-n-g you can find me on instagram at captain c-a-p-t-a-i-n-l-i-h-e-l-l-s-i-n-g i can spell my own fucking screen name i can't i feel that <laughs> still working on that domain name however comma i might just turn into a patreon at this point um when i get that i still have it i just need to revamp it so when that happens um I will totally post again. It's just going to be different, um, different topics on stuff that I like predominantly Lupin operas, history, and maybe the occasional literature stuff, because I am a really big literature dork. I can't stop reading. Um, (laughs) I can't stop reading and rewatching clue and desperate housewives. So go and make fun of me all you want. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I'll, um, I'll do something on clue. Because I've been thinking about it. Because Clue is a Clue is a great ass film, and I will die on this hill. Y'all need to chill. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And when he says it otherwise is wrong and stupid very, and bad, very wrong. I'm gonna argue stupid. that though. Like I thought that was a universally accepted opinion. You'd be surprised. I tell people I love Clue, and they look at me like, "Why?" Dumb people. Exactly. <laughs> they survive the winter. Um, and um, 
I got my own, I finally got my own Switch. So once I work up my island, um, if anybody if anybody still plays Animal Crossing, I will gladly give you the dream code for my island, which I named after the Duke of Mantua in Verdi's Regoletto. So again, if you if you wanna if you wanna see my adorable island with my adorable villagers, I'll let you know. Chris, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Newgrounds at Amazing Chris Godby. That's a G O D B E Y. I also have a website, uh, theamazingchrisgodby.com. My personal Twitter is drfurball, and my art Twitter is amazingchrisg. You can find my webcomics at weirdinacan.com and drawocoward.com. See how smooth that was? I actually wrote it down this time. I didn't just pull it yeah. all off my head. I was about to say, I was like, that sounded very well rehearsed. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. All right, Drew. How about your fine self? Where can we find you at? Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter at DrewHunter15. at D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. Tweeting about about anything I'm watching currently as of late. So all my wonder, well, I'm going to say wonderful garbage. I have the immaculate taste. And you can find... Well, that's the only thing you can find me on. Well, you can find the podcast on Twitter at LupinPod. That's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. You can find us on Instagram at the same at, and you can find us on Mastodon. Uh, you can find us on Tumblr at Sideburns and Cigarettes. And we are also on Coffee at Lupon Pod. Uh, donations are open. Uh, they are not expected, but appreciated if you can. You can listen to our show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, feel free to scroll up or scroll down, depending on which one you're on, and consider giving us a star rating and review. Don't. Or you're not. Once again, you're not obligated or expected to give us five stars. Yeah, you are. But you will have the last laugh if you give us five stars. Please give us five stars or we'll come to your village and blow it up. Whoa. <laughs> I was going to say, well, once again, you know, everyone that gives us five stars and positive reviews are appreciated and loved by hand. Um, <laughs> please, uh, please, please give us the validation, um, especially this month. Um, this is coming from your fellow um, queer person right here. It's Pride Month. I need the validation. I need. Yeah, happy I need, Pride. Yes, I need more validation than what corporations are giving in air bunnies. <laughs> Doesn't this month this year feel like pride and prejudice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got you got me good. You got me good. Profound. Speaking of which, uh, how about the uh, Cyber and Cigarettes uh, avatar for this month? Hell yeah. Hey, yeah I think it yeah. work if I do say so myself. Yes. I, I, I want to shout. I want to shout out maybe my favorite comment that I saw on Instagram. Let, let me. Uh, at Gutterflies, they replied in all caps: "Gay Lupin, real." <laughs> and you are a legend. So. Speaking speaking as a pansexual person, uh, Lupin is totes pans. Um, do not at me. He just is. I will die on this hill. <laughs> <laughs> I guess since it is Pride Month, happy Pride Month, y'all. I know Drew, he already put it on our Twitter, but, you know, you don't have to. But if you can, please do support the 
the bunch of charities and organizations we're promoting um, mm-hmm. in honor of Pride. I say this because I donate every year to the SFLGBTQ Center. Um, I'm I'm proud to be from the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, it, we're very inclusive here. We're very much promoting. Um, we're promoting our fellow gay brothers and sisters. I mean, Pride. Oh, Pride is Pride is a big thing here. And the fact that we even have communities like the King community where I learned that people come up to you and ask you when you introduce yourself, what are your pronouns out of respect makes me feel so included as a pan and poly poly person. And Mm. especially to my friends who are gay and trans. So yeah, I want to just promote the S of LGBTQ center, um, Mm -hmm. which is on our Twitter and also to the other fine and fabulous organizations that uh, Drew put on there. So yeah. That's yeah, my two man. cents on the subject. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. And and again, big thanks to Chris for making that really awesome logo. Oh, yeah, and, definitely. And <laughs> also just to all of our uh, to all of our LGBTQIA plus listeners, just know you've got a friend in us here at Cyburns and Cigarettes. Definitely. Lupin says gay rights. <laughs> hell <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, going on himself Albert. said it. Man exactly. loves a man. It man can't loves be a man. It can't be possible. <laughs> that's just a three-minute egg spoils. <laughs> <laughs> a three-minute egg must spoil for three minutes. <laughs> Profound. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> the next time we see you, Lupontic folks, we're going to be introduced to a real fucking goober of a villain that I'm very excited to talk about. <laughs> with us yes first time guest great friend of the show it's not it's an episode you're not gonna want to miss so until next time good night lupontic folks bye (laughs) (laughs) that was so delayed (laughs) i was like man you just had to get the last laugh in didn't you drew